Because God is holy and His Word is holy, we'll stand to give honor to the Word of the Lord as we turn to Daniel. Daniel chapter 5. If you're able, we'll stand as we read. We'll start reading at verse 13 and I'll read through verse 31. This is God's holy and infallible Word. Daniel 5, starting at verse 13. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, whom my father, the king, brought from Judah? Now I have heard about you, that a spirit of the gods is in you, and that illumination, insight, and extraordinary wisdom has been found in you. Just now... Uh, the wise men and the conjurers were brought in before me that they might read the ins- this inscription and make its interpretation known to me, but they could not declare the interpretation of the message. But I personally have heard about you, that you are able to give interpretations and solve difficult problems. Now, if you're able to read the inscription and make its interpretation known to me, You will be clothed with purple and wear a necklace of gold around your neck, and you will have authority as the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Keep your gifts for yourself, or give your rewards to someone else. However, I will read the inscription to the king and make the interpretation known to him. O King, the Most High God granted sovereignty, grandeur, glory, and majesty to Nebuchadnezzar, your father. Because of the grandeur which he bestowed on him, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language feared and trembled before him. Whomever he wished, he killed, and whomever he wished, he he spared alive, and whomever he wished, he elevated, and whomever he wished, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit became so proud that he behaved arrogantly, he was deposed from his royal throne and his glory was taken away from him. He was also driven away from mankind and his heart was made like that of beasts and his dwelling place was with the wild donkeys. He was given grass to eat like cattle, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he recognized that the Most High God is ruler over the realm of mankind, and he sets over it whomever he wishes. Yet you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all this, but you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your nobles, your wives, your concubines, have been drinking wine from them, and have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see, hear, or understand, but the God in whose hand are your life, breath, and your ways, you have not glorified. Then the hand was sent from him, and this inscription was written out. Now this is the inscription that was written out. Mini, mini, tekel, upharsin. This is the interpretation of the message. Mini, God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. Tekel, 
You have been weighed on the scales and found deficient. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave orders and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a necklace of gold around his neck and issued a proclamation concerning him that he now had authority as the third ruler in the kingdom. That same night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was slain. So Darius the Mede received the kingdom at about the age of 62. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this, your word, and we ask that you would help us to be humbled by your word and to understand that you are the ruler of heaven and of earth. And help us, we pray, to submit to your holy reign. For we ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. I was growing up, uh, I grew up Roman Catholic, and the first church, well, there's a few different churches I went to, but the first church I actually became a member of was a Presbyterian church. I, I attended Methodist church, a Baptist church, Church of Christ for a little bit, but the first church I actually became a member of was a Presbyterian church in Monroe, Louisiana. And I'll never forget, they ask you these questions for membership. And one of the questions goes like this. Do you confess that because of your sinfulness, you abhor and humble yourself before God, that you repent of your sin, and that you trust for salvation, not in yourself, but in Jesus Christ alone? So it was a yes or no answer, and I figured the answer should be yes, so I answered yes, and that was the correct answer. But if someone would have asked me the question, Kevin, what does it mean for you to trust in Christ alone for your salvation? At that time in my life, I probably wouldn't have known what to say. I, I, this, is probably, this is honestly probably what I would have answered. Well, I hope that my good deeds outweigh my sins. I know that Christ died and made a way for me, but I hope my good deeds outweigh my sins. I still had a Roman Catholic kind of understanding of what God's judgment was going to be like. And I think it reminds me of this passage from Daniel 5, 27. I guess I was hoping that I would be weighed, I'd be, I would be weighed on the scales I would be weighed on these scales and that I would be found sufficient and not deficient. But we'll get a little bit more into that, that sometimes I believe that someone could take this passage from Daniel 5, 27 and impose it on what the judgment is going to be like. And that's wrong. And we'll look at that in a second. Today's text follows immediately after a rather frightening event in which a vision of a hand writing on the wall wrote a message for Belshazzar who was feasting with his thousand nobles, wives and concubines and after they began drinking they said to themselves bring the women and also why don't we bring the articles of gold and silver that my grandfather, and we'll look a little bit at that later, but my grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, took from Judah, from the temple, from the Jews. So let's just bring in all that nice gold and silver stuff, and we're going to have a party with this really fancy stuff. Well, 
go back to verse 5 and 6, it says, Suddenly the fingers of a man's hand emerged and began writing opposite the lamp stand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. The king saw the back of the hand that did the writing. Then the king's face grew pale and his thoughts alarmed him. His hip joints went slack. His knees began knocking together. I believe that was a rather funny sight to watch this great king of a a massive empire looking like with great fear with his face turning pale and his knees knocking together i uh, i just think it would, it was uh, an amazing sight um i don't understand why but he ends up asking his wise men to interpret and of course they don't interpret because they can't so it takes the guidance of the queen of Babylon to then remind him of history that this man, this prophet Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was renowned in interpreting visions. And he asked then for Daniel to come and interpret. And that's when we'll look at today's text. We'll first see this in two main points. The first point is Belshazzar meets Belteshazzar. So Belshazzar, the king, grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, meets Belteshazzar, which is Daniel. And then secondly, we'll look at Daniel's interpretation. So let's look at first at Belshazzar meets Belteshazzar. Verse 13. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who is one of the exiles from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? As a reminder, Belteshazzar is a pagan name given to Daniel. Daniel, when he was taken in as, you could say, one of the wise men of Nebuchadnezzar, he was placed uh, in service in the palace. But as a practice, he was given a new name, a pagan name, to show ownership that the Babylonians uh, were now his master. And I think there's something to that. To change someone name, someone's name is to say who you were before doesn't really matter. Your identity is new. And we are going to define unto you what your identity is. We're not going to look at this. We looked at this last week, but if you're interested, you could maybe check out the sermon from last week. But according to Jeremiah 27, Jeremiah 27 mentions that the reign of Babylon would be from Nebuchadnezzar until the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. And then that would be the end of the reign of Babylon. So this man, who is going to be basically killed at the end of this text is not the son, even though he's mentioned as the son of of Nebuchadnezzar, he is actually the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. His his dad was such a lousy king that he probably doesn't even want to own him. He he ruled for a very short time and then was deposed even by the Babylonians themselves because he was such a terrible ruler. But notice this kind way 
this very kind way that this king spoke to Daniel. Uh, verses 14 through 16. Now I have heard about you that the spirit of the gods is in you and that illumination insight and extraordinary wisdom have been found in you now just now the the wise men and the conjurers were brought in before me that they might read the inscription this inscription and make its interpretation known but they could not declare the interpretation of the message but i personally have heard about you that you are able to give interpretations and solve difficult problems. Since this Daniel had a, you could say, a divine spirit to give illumination, insight, extraordinary wisdom, how is it that a king of a mighty empire would place such a man in some remote corner of the kingdom where he's not even found? Isn't it strange? The wisest person... The wisest person in all of Babylon had not even met the king yet. Why would the king ditch Daniel and not even give a, a care to even meet the man who was the wisest man who gave interpretation time after time after time to Nebuchadnezzar, his grandfather? Part of it is a gross disregard and for history. He, they didn't care about history. And this is, a, this is a passage that really makes us want to question, you know, what kind of damage happens when we, when we disregard history? And that's what happened in this text. The reason Daniel fell by the wayside is because they totally didn't care about history. So Daniel is stowed away some, in some remote corner and disregarded. Now, to be fair, Christians can often do the same. God gave us wisdom from above through his Holy Spirit in this Holy Bible. God gave wisdom to leadership in the church. And oftentimes when people have a problem, maybe it's a marriage problem, maybe it's a, a family problem, and they need counseling for marriage or family or something like that, they want to go to a person who's a total pagan rather than even just ask, maybe even just ask to speak to the, the session of the church or the pastor, or maybe even ask a faithful Christian friend who's very knowledgeable. So it's kind of the same thing. They basically cast aside God-given wisdom to use man's wisdom instead. We often neglect the wisdom found in this book. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. But when problems arise, do we look for answers here? The answers for many of life's problems are found in this book. So, after repeating the praise of the queen of Babylon to Daniel regarding his abilities. The king then makes this request of the prophet in, in the middle of verse 16. Now, if you are able to read the inscription and make its interpretation known to me, you will be clothed with purple and wear a necklace of gold around your neck, and you will have authority 
as the third ruler in the kingdom. Now, we don't know what kind of wealth Daniel might have had. We don't know what kind of living arrangements Daniel had. But whatever it was, he was very content with what he had. He didn't care to get a gold necklace. He didn't care to get honor. He didn't care to have rule as the third ruler of Babylon. But the king gave it to him anyway. He says, Then Daniel answered and said to the king, Keep your gifts to yourself or give your rewards to someone else. However, I will read the inscription to the king and make its interpretation known to him. So let's look at this interpretation then Daniel gives. Um, Beginning in verse 18 and following. Daniel gives a historical review. He's He's reviewing history with the king, and he's concluding this history review with a rebuke. Verse 18 and following. O king, the most high God granted sovereignty, grandeur, glory, and majesty to Nebuchadnezzar your father. Because of the grandeur which he bestowed on him, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language feared and trembled before him. Whomever he wished, he killed, and whomever he wished, he spared alive. Whomever he wished, he elevated, and whomever he wished, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit became so proud that he behaved arrogantly, he was deposed from his royal throne and his glory was taken away from him. He was also driven away from mankind and his heart was made like that of beasts and his dwelling place was with the wild donkeys." He was given grass to eat like cattle, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he recognized that the Most High God is ruler over the realm of mankind and that he sets it, that is, earthly authority and rule, uh, over whomever he wishes or with whomever he wishes. Yet you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all this. We'll stop there for a second. You couldn't hide what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. It was a period of seven years that this great and mighty king, one of the greatest rulers in the known ancient world, was in a field eating grass like an ox. This was widespread, widely known. You couldn't hide this. So he, he says, Belshazzar, you should have known this. There's no way that you didn't know this story of what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. But then he goes on in verse uh, 23. But you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven and have brought the vessels of his house, that's God's house, before you. And you and your nobles and your wives and your concubines have been drinking wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see, hear, or understand. But the God in whose hand are your life breath and your ways, you have not glorified. The big offense here was that God intended these vessels for a holy use to be used in his glorious holy temple for the worship of his holy people to point to Jesus. 
These sacrifices pointed to Christ yet to come, the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. But these vessels meant for holy use were being used for a drunken party and according to some some people a lewd drunken party with some maybe some loose women running around and doing all kind of crazy stuff and then let's just drink and get drunk with the holy vessels that belong to the lord and his temple you could see why god was angry with this situation now not everything in this text can apply to us. But remember this, verse 23. If you exalt yourself against the Lord of heaven, it will not go well for you. I repeat, if you exalt yourself against the Lord of heaven, it will not go well for you. And there are a lot of people today, not just Nebuchadnezzar, not just Belshazzar, there are a lot of people today who seek to exalt themselves over the Lord of heaven. And in the same verse it says here, In God's hands belong your life breath and your ways. You're called to glorify Him. Because his, your life, your breath, your every day, your every moment, your every minute belongs to God and he holds those days in his hand. Therefore, you ought to glorify God. Whatever gifts you have, whatever abilities you have, whatever privilege you have, whatever family you've been given, whatever friends you've been given, whatever privileges, it's meant for God's glory, not for your own. If you glorify yourself rather than glorify the king of heaven, it will not go well for you. So then next, this Daniel gives the interpretation of the handwriting on the wall. Look at verses uh, 25 through 29. Now this is the inscription that was written out. Mini, mini, tekel, aparsin. Now you could translate it this way. 50 shekels, 50 shekels. Way divide. 50 shekels, 50 shekels, way divide. That's what it would mean literally. So, But Daniel interprets what it means because God, through the Holy Spirit, gives him the interpretation. This is the interpretation of the message, verse 26. Meaning, God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. Tekel. You have been weighed on the scales and found deficient. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave orders and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a necklace of gold around his neck and issued a proclamation concerning him that he now had authority as the third ruler in the kingdom. Daniel didn't ask he actually refused this. He refused the gold. He refused the position of authority, but was given this anyway to him. Now, a lot of times in prophecy, and a lot of times in the Old Testament, you have prophecy of Isaiah, prophecy of Jeremiah, all kind of other prophecies. 
And oftentimes there's years between the prophecy and the fulfillment. This is one of the most rapidly fulfilled prophecies in, in the Bible that I know of. So the same day, look at that verse 30, that same night, Belshazzar the Chaldean king was slain. So Darius the Mede received the kingdom at about the age of 62. Let's get back to this notion of King Belshazzar being weighed on the scales and found deficient. God allowed him, God gave him privilege to be a ruler of a great and mighty empire. It was a diminishing empire since Nebuchadnezzar, but it was still a mighty empire. But God allowed him this privilege and gave him this privilege, but then he was called and given responsibility to glorify God in his office. Yet in that office, he was weighed and found deficient, and therefore he was not only removed from that office, he was removed from his very life. But we don't take this notion of God weighing us on some scales and whether we're found sufficient or deficient, that's the basis of our judgment. I want us to turn to a passage in the New Testament to give some clarity on this. Let's look at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Starting at verse 1. And we'll read to verse 13. Whomever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whomever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not with the water only, but with the water and with the blood. It is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and there are three in agreement. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For the testimony of God is this, that he has testified concerning his Son. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe God has made himself a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his Son. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in the Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you, that you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, 
so that you may know that you have eternal life. Okay, here's the problem with scales of being weighed in the scales. You don't know for sure if you're if it's ever going to outweigh if your good deeds are going to outweigh sins. But notice the clear demarcation here. If you have faith in the Son, you have eternal life. If you don't have faith in the Son, you don't have eternal life. And then, if you're being weighed in scales and you don't know which one's going to weigh more, could you say this, that you may know, this passage says that we may know by faith that we could be granted an assurance that we have eternal life. So again, this notion of being weighed in scales doesn't fit with this day of judgment that is yet to come. Learn the lesson. Study history. Don't be like Belshazzar, who didn't study what happened to his grandfather. If God can humble Nebuchadnezzar and make him eat grass like an ox, he can humble you. And if he can humble even these mighty men, he can humble even us. Let's pray together. We thank you, our glorious Lord. Thank you for this, your holy word. We thank you that you are the God who is sovereign, that you are the one who reigns over heaven and earth, and that you give the authority of your reign to whomever you choose. Help us, we pray, to submit to the authorities that you have set over us, but we do pray, O oh Father, since you are sovereign, that you would give unto us godly leaders who fear you, who are not proud men, but humble. O oh Father, we pray that you would help us to receive and believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. That believing that we would see that we have eternal life because we have the Son. Give us saving faith in your holy, perfect, and sinless Son who suffered and died for sinners such as us. For we ask all these things in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. For our closing hymn, let's turn to 486. Rejoice, believer in the Lord, 486. And we'll